1: Y'all see that picture of Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh. You got Jim Harbaugh putting his arm around Mickey Mouse. That doesn't even have its crucial context. Nick Saban not even getting remotely close to Mickey. He's saying, no, 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 no rat poison for us here. No rat poison for us either on this show. The Hardcat. Welcome in. It is December 28th, 2023. It's a Thursday. It's the last December 28th, 2023 on the face of the planet. We're so glad to have y'all here. We talk college football every single day. It's all we do around here. There's, there's no additives, there's no extra agenda, there's no high fructose corn syrup, it's ball and only ball. Man, we got a ton to jump into now. The college football playoffs are right around the corner. When we get to this upcoming Monday, so I mean less than a week away now from uh, our college football national title, the lineup at least, the matchup being set. Going to give you our final thoughts for that here in just a little bit. Before we get to that, though, we got a lot more to unpack A lot more to unpack because I don't know if y'all been keeping uh, an eye on what's going on with the transfer portal. Uh, It's been popping. It's been popping. And a lot of guys coming off the board. Walter Nolan's committed to Ole Miss. Uh, Trevor Etienne, he committed to Georgia not too long ago. Still, though, some big names, some big uncommitted names that are still out there that uh, are yet to find a destination. And we did this exercise, I guess it was a little less than a month ago, of guys that are still uncommitted and predicting where they're going to go now that list has shrunk quite a bit since we did that prediction but uh what uh where might some of these top guys be headed we got volume two of that exercise coming here for you in just a few short minutes now if you're not following me on twitter or instagram would encourage you to do so not just because it helps us build the show and kind of bridge that gap from an interaction standpoint sorry we're, we're uh got our mj flu game going a little bit here uh when it comes to the interaction standpoint follow me on those platforms because today actually we're going to a tweet that i posted yesterday asking for questions from y'all pulling from those going to the people of the program to hear what y'all have to say and answer some of y'all's thoughts questions concerns as it pertains to the college football landscape before we get to that though ma'am we got to talk a little bit about a narrative that is being brought on in college football and we'll get to that here in just a second. Again, make sure you're subscribed. We love y'all. We're glad to have y'all here, ma'am. Now, notice, in a, about a week's time, it's a tragic thing to say, uh, we are going, I guess two weeks' time, we are going to be at the end of the college football season. Now, if you're listening on podcasts, I put season in massive air quotes. Reason why I put it in air quotes? Because the college football season, they stop playing games, but the whole, the whole operation, the whole apparatus that is the college football world, it doesn't stop. The portal keeps going. Recruiting keeps going. So we're going to have a lot to chew on, a lot to talk about well through the the winter, well through the spring, and back until when they're playing games yet again. So what I'm trying to tell you is if you're not locked in yet, make sure you're locked in. Helps us do more of what you want to see on this platform. We appreciate y'all for that. All right, no more wasting time. Let's get right to it, man. I told y'all at the top of this show. We have to take aim at this narrative that continues to circulate across the college football world. And you hear it every single December and you hear it echoed throughout the course of, you know, the the season as it leads into this part of the year. And it is, well, the college football bowl season, it doesn't matter. You hear this phrase and it just it irks me to even kind of mention it while we're on the air right now, but I'll do it right now. Uh, Meaningless bowl game. That's what you hear people say. What do we think about that? Do you think there's any validity to that? I'll tell you right now, it's not true. It is a myth, and we're about to bust that myth right now, so buckle up. It's about to get a little bit bumpy here. What do people mean when they say meaningless bowl game? Well, let's kind of start at the beginning of that. What does meaningless actually pertain to? Meaning is the value that you assign to something relative to yourself. Okay, so when we talk about the Mayo Bowl. We talk about the Holiday Bowl and coaches getting eggnog and mayo dumped on them. I think that tells you a little bit about how much that game meant to them. So we'll start there. But going back to the meaning of meaning, uh, meaning could be different for everybody. And so what I think people are actually saying when they call bowl games meaningless, it usually gets wrapped up into two different thoughts. The first is, well, this isn't a college football playoff game. Therefore, I'm not interested. Therefore, it doesn't mean anything to me. Okay, that's your prerogative. We'll, we'll address that in a little bit. The second part of that is, well, if the players are opting out, it must not mean anything to them. Y'all, we're about to take a hatchet to this narrative, so hang on tight. First part of that whole thought, the, this isn't the playoff game thought. So what should teams that aren't making the college football playoff do? Because we can we can narrow that list a pretty good amount of uh, across the college football landscape we can tell you what teams are more likely than not not making the college football playoff before the season even starts like Tulane I love Tulane Tulane I think is one of the best programs in the country we use programs with the U around here we'll talk more about that probably at a later date Uh, if you if you get it you get it but what should a team like Tulane do in the offseason they're probably making the college football playoff should they even have spring ball should they even bother to field a team what should they do September through, through November? Should they even play their games? Because, right, remember what you said now. Meaningless bowl games. Because they're not making the college football playoff. Well, if they're not making the college football playoff early in the season, we know that. Should they even play games? Is their season meaningless? Of course not. That's just that's, that's, that's a fool's errand to run to even think about it that way. What I would also say is the priorities of big college football, I say big CFB like big pharma, same thought here, big CFB that tells you bowl games are meaningless, their priorities are not the same as diehard college football fans like you and I and the priorities of teams internally. Because teams internally, I promise you, a goal for every team across the country is to win their bowl game. Like you, you, you get in those rooms at the beginning of the season, they have that first meeting to kick off fall camp. You have your goals laid out in front of you, and there's a myriad of different goals, but I would guarantee you that at 90% plus across the country, the goal is win the bowl game. Okay, so teams internally, they want to win the bowl game. And then you go back to players that are, you know, opting out of this thing. So what? Let's be generous and say five of 85 players that are opting out of the bowl game because they want to try and protect their future value. So then you have a bunch of people saying, well the bowl game must be meaningless then if those really good players are opting out let's reset that whole thought five again that's a generous number most teams would have less than that some don't have any five of 85 players equals what let's be generous and say it's right around six percent seven percent of your roster when has seven percent of an entire team ever spoken for the the entire team period when has 7% ever been a number that we're saying is reliable to give us a good indication of how the rest of the team feels? Never. So why are we doing it in this situation? Also, you talk about opting out of bowl games being meaningless just because a player thinks that they want to protect their NFL value by not playing in the bowl game. Doesn't mean the bowl game is meaningless to begin with. It just means that they think that there is more value on their NFL career than playing in a bowl game. It's not that, okay, this has value, therefore this doesn't. It's this value in their mind is greater than this. And I'm not here for opt-outs. I'm personally not a fan about that. But if you want to opt out of your bowl game, again, it's your decision, but let's not pretend that that makes a bowl game meaningless because it absolutely does not. So, we talk about meaningless bowl games. Notice who's saying it. Notice the people who are talking about bowl games being meaningless. You'll notice it's the same people that won aren't really watching college football during the year to begin with. They're the same people that tell you you should go do something else on a weekend whenever there's a quote-unquote bad slate in their eyes. Also, it's the same people that were shouting for shorter game broadcasts. No real college football fan was saying that. Nobody was actually saying, man, I wish it wasn't a four-hour broadcast. I wish it was somewhere closer to two and a half, three hours. No real college football fans that wake up and watch college game day on a Saturday morning and then watch Pac-12 after dark rest in peace, Till 2 a.m. was actually telling you that. Nobody actually felt that way. Same thing is being said here for bowl games. Because I tell you what, when, when you're off for Christmas break and you have that short window from, you know, Christmas to New Year's and you're at home with the family or maybe you're off from school, you love that you get to watch the Mayo Bowl. You love that you get to watch the Holiday Bowl. Why? Because it's 11-on-11 11 11 football. And for us college football fans, as long as they put the ball down and it's a 100-yard field and it's 11-on-11, 11 11, We will watch, we will be there, we will be all about it. So the folks saying meaningless bowl game, I'd I'd be careful letting the 5% of that fan base or 5% of that college football portion of the public speak for the rest of 95%. Same thing with the opt-outs. Just because a few players opt out doesn't mean there's zero value. It just means they're putting more value on the NFL than their own careers. So last thing I want to say about this, talk about meaningless bowl game, you can talk about the arguments for it. You can talk about, you know, the, the numbers behind it of what you can make playing in the NFL. You can talk about the opt-outs. Like, you can you can do all of that. Talk about the TV viewership, whatever you want to talk about. But I would say, let's use the eyeballs a little bit here. What I said at the top of this thing. It meant something to those guys last night that celebrated beating Louisville as a USC team that kind of had been down bad for the last Few weeks with all this talk around the portal and all the way they finished the season and all the talk around lincoln riley promise you it meant something to them to have that eggnog dumped on their head coach it meant something to neil brown having that mayo dumped on him after there was all this talk around him maybe even being fired at the end of last season it meant something to that crowd at jmu during college game day chanting that they want to go bowling and they didn't even win their bowl game but to even have a chance to do it man it meant something to them it means something to those athletic directors that right, an, an incentive to their head coach's contract of getting to and winning a bowl game means something to them. So this whole thought around meaningless bowl games, again, it's a narrative. It's not true. It might be true for some people because meaning is relative, but to the real college football fans, to the, to the diehards, to y'all that are watching the show and listening on podcast in your free time, meaningless bowl games was always a myth. And we'll go ahead and consider that busted for now. So roll party roll. Let me know, though, in the comment section. Let me know how y'all feel about this, because if I know our audience like I think I know our audience, I think a lot of y'all were tuned into the Mayable. I think a lot of y'all will be tuned in today to Rutgers, Miami. You'll be tuned in to the bowl games well into the future as well. So it doesn't matter who's playing. If they got 11 on 11, we're dialed in. Let's get after it here, all right? So uh, speaking of bowl games, prize picks, I told y'all they've been tremendous partners for us throughout the entirety of this season. We love prize picks, daily fantasy, easy to use. It's safe, easy withdrawals. Uh, if you want to enhance the viewing experience a little bit, maybe your team didn't make a bowl game. It's all good. There's next year. Maybe your team already played their bowl game. And you say, I want to kind of have a little more stake in the game, if you will, when it comes to watching these games. Got you covered. Got a few, uh, few squares I like here. We're going to put it into the form of a flex play. Now, again, full disclaimer, fade us fade us. We've been, we've been bad. We've been ice cold. So if you want to fade us, go for it. But I would also say if you want to kind of lock arms, get in the foxhole with us here, got a flex play we like for some of these bull games here. This is not our playoff picks, uh, but it is for some games coming up here uh, in the very near future. Really quickly though, Redeem Code JD, 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. It's a nice deal. So get after that, Redeem Code JD and it also helps the show. So shout out to y'all for helping the show. First square I like, Devin Brown. His pass yard number is 224 yards against Missouri. I love Devin Brown. I think he's going to be really good at Ohio State, actually. I think there is a there is a world where Devin Brown ends up being your QB one next year in Columbus. Now, this game will have a lot to say about that. But I do think in a game like this, they will probably lean a little bit more on him being a game manager. I like the less there. We'll see what Travion Henderson's rush yard total is, but I would keep an eye on that and uh, maybe go more with the rush yard total. But we'll take Devin Brown for less than 224 pass yards against Mizzou. Now, Jackson Dart, his pass yard total is 200 and a half yards. Playing Penn State. Penn State, decent defense. Decent is kind of a tongue-in-cheek way to say it. Really good defense. I think that they'll rely on the running game. I think it'll be a little bit more of dink and dunk kind of approach for him if he ends up surpassing this number I wouldn't be wildly surprised but I think it would be a lot of run after catch scenario for Ole Miss in this game I'll take the less than for 200 and a half yards for Jackson Dart and we'll pair that again with Devin Brown for less than 224 pass yards now here's the last one Peyton Thorne they're playing Maryland in a bowl game his pass yard number 166 and a half passing yards I will also take the less there. No shade at Peyton Thorne. If you've watched Auburn this year, haven't really been a passing football team. I think at this point in the year, you are who you are. I don't think that'll change. Give me the less there for the half pass yards. So we're flex playing this. Meaning, we do not need all three of these squares to hit. We just need two. We get some return on investment. We get all three. Great, we get even more. But the key total here is... The, the two out of three is what we need there. So to recap it for you, Devin Brown, less than 224 uh, passing yards. Jackson Dart, less than 200 and a half passing yards. And Peyton Thorne, 166 and a half pass yards. We'll take the less on all these totals. Usually root for just good things to happen, root for points. We've been burned with that recently. So we're going to go back to our basics here. Kind of do a little self-fade, if you will. And uh, we'll root for the less pass yards. But for all those guys, just have a good time. Because that's kind of the... Uh, It's kind of the real deal there isn't it all right so again redeem code jd 100 deposit match up to 100 bucks lock in with us boys get after it or girls if you would like to play as well everyone can play uh okay let's, let's move right along here the transfer portal just keeps on rolling and uh we did this exercise a few weeks ago talking about our predictions for where some of these guys may be ending up now full disclaimer these are predictions. These are not inside information. This is not me kind of holding the answer behind my back and then revealing to y'all in the form of a prediction. Like, I am purely guessing. So uh, this is, this is no, no, like, knowledge that I have around this that I'm trying to bake into a segment here, purely predictions. And uh, we did this previously. We've done okay since then. There's a couple more guys that I want to mention here that, uh, that we talked about in our first volume. I have since changed my prediction on where I think they will be headed. One of those individuals that I'm switching my prediction on is Washington State quarterback, former Washington State quarterback, Cam Ward. Previously, I had predicted Cam Ward to go to Ohio State. Now, just to be real, there hasn't been much smoke around that, but what there has been some smoke around is Cam Ward to Miami, and that is the prediction I'm going to roll with here. So much smoke, there has to be fire and Cam Ward going to the U. They had Cam Ward to the U trending on Twitter. If that isn't just the beauty of college football social media, I don't know what is. 100, I mean, however many thousand different people coming together from all walks of life to try and accomplish one common goal, which is getting Cam Ward to Coral Gables. I think his skill set would fit really well with what they want to do offensively. Shannon Dawson, when he came to Miami, the thought around his offense was it's going to be a little bit more of an aerial attack, more of a push the ball downfield kind of offense. And to be real, they wanted to be that way early. They were able to be that team against Texas A&M. But throughout the course of the season, what they didn't have at quarterback kind of hindered that approach. Cam Ward and what he does offensively, 7.7 yards in attempt at Washington State. You can run that kind of style of offense. So it's a fit for Miami. It's a fit for Cam Ward because I think he probably wants to do numbers like Goodwill Hunting his last season in college before he goes to the NFL. Miami and what they will be able to do with Shannon Dawson offensively and Cam Ward running the show. I think it's a good fit. I like Cam Ward. I'm going to go ahead and change my prediction for Cam Ward to Miami. So we'll see what happens there, but we're we'll calling our shot. Another cat we're changing our prediction on Will Howard, formerly of Kansas State, another guy that's one of the top quarterbacks in the transfer portal. USC was my original prediction for him. And for the longest time, like, I was watching that thing, watching that thing. It's USC, 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 all the smoke. You even have some social media accounts out there tweeting that he's set to commit to USC. And we're getting further and further into this thing. It still hasn't happened yet. And for me, I'm like, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. That's the way I feel about it. Also, I don't know if y'all saw last night, but uh, Miller as I like to call him right now, Miller Moss. I'm, I'm joking, right, so I'm calm down, but he did just ball out last night in the Holiday Bowl against Louisville. My guy was slinging the pill around the yard like a shady pharmacist. Six touchdowns on the night for number seven. You don't think maybe there's just a little bit of a second thought, for Lincoln Riley and company in Los Angeles, that maybe, just maybe, Miller Moss is going to be in this QB1 conversation when spring ball rolls around. Now, full transparency, I think Will Howard still could very much so beat out a Miller Moss should he decide to take his talents to Los Angeles but I'm going to change my pick to another spot that's getting some smoke as of late Pete Nakos reporting that Ohio State is involved with with uh, Will Howard I'm going to change my prediction for Will Howard to end up choosing Ohio State and to end up there and again if USC was the choice I think it would have happened already but Will Howard I believe did say that when he entered the portal one of his priorities was to win You look at stability, look at structure. Ohio State, I mean, you can pretty much bankroll every single offseason or every single preseason when those win totals come out. They'll be somewhere in the double-digit category. Now, USC could very much so be that as well, but there's a little more question marks around what they've been defensively, what's going on with Lincoln Riley. You know, they had all these expectations this past offseason, didn't have the season they wanted to have. Ohio State, the stability and the structure and the unofficial official standard that Ryan Day has set in Columbus for his quarterbacks – which is be a first-round draft pick, be a Heisman finalist. More often than not, that's what you've seen from Ohio State quarterbacks. So I think for Will Howard, if you want to set yourself up for success in the NFL, Lincoln Riley makes a lot of sense. But Ohio State makes just as much sense, in my opinion, based on what's around him. You know you'll have some of the top pass catchers in the country at your disposal. I like the fit. I like the fit a whole lot. Now, this would also be massive for Ohio State. And the reason why I say that is, For Ohio State, the last couple of seasons, they have fallen short of the goal, which is to beat Michigan. And it's sort of been a blame you could assign across the board with that roster. It's not just one guy that's at fault. But one thing that stuck out when you watch Ohio State going 0-3 their last three tries against Michigan has been what they don't have at quarterback. They don't have somebody that can throw the ball downfield. CJ Stroud, what he's doing in the NFL, I think is proof of concept that they can be just fine throwing the ball downfield. But when you look at what they don't have at the quarterback position, they don't have somebody that has that mobile element. Whereas for Michigan, I'm watching J.J. McCarthy run back and forth and play Pirates of the Caribbean, it feels like, every other third down, and running right, throwing left, picking up a third and six by getting seven yards. I don't know that they need to match that, but I do think it's something you would like to have going forward in the modern college football era. you got to have somebody that can account for you on the ground. Will Howard, 19 career rushing touchdowns. So I think that would also be a massive boost, not just for what he brings from a skill st- standpoint and from an experience standpoint, he's played four years of college football, but going back to what I just said, the mobile element he brings to Ohio State could be that difference maker against teams like Michigan with really staunch defenses. So keep an eye on that. We'll call our shot Will Howard to Ohio State. Now the top player available in the transfer portal is none other <clears throat> than Texas A&M wide receiver Evan Stewart. And Evan Stewart... Uh, had 91 catches, over 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns in two seasons in College Station. There's a reason why he's very highly sought after. Pete Nakos from on three has been as dialed in as it gets when it comes to the transfer portal. The schools that he says to watch are Oregon, Ole Miss, USC, and Florida State. But there's one more school that he mentioned that I think makes a ton of sense. I'm going to go ahead and call my shot here for Evan Stewart to Tennessee. A couple of reasons why I see this being a good fit. The first of which being you get to stay in the SEC. This is not the only school that is in the Evan Stewart sweepstakes in the SEC, but it makes a lot of sense to me to stay in that conference because you play against NFL junior kind of competition. When it comes time for him to be drafted, there will be no questions about the level of competition he played against staying in this conference, okay? You can run that resume through any filter you want to, that game tape through any filter you want to. He did it against the top dudes in the country. That's first part. Other part of this is I think you probably have to have a quarterback wherever you end up going if you're Evan Stewart. And to me, that not eliminates, but provides some more question marks for some of these other schools, we'll see what happens at Florida State. We'll see what happens at USC. We'll see what happens at Ole Miss. I expect Jackson Dart to come back, but we'll see what happens there long-term. Uh, Oregon, you feel good about who they have at quarterback there with Dylan Gabriel. But I do think that narrows the list a little bit. And with Tennessee having the top quarterback from the 2023 class and Nico Iamaliava, that to me would make a lot of sense from Evan Stewart. I want to go play with a dude who can get me the football consistently. Now the last thing, and this is probably the most important when we talk about Evan Stewart I think Evan Stewart goes to Tennessee because of how he would fit in that offense. Now, make no mistake, Evan Stewart could fit anywhere. But in terms of maximizing his ability, what does Evan Stewart do best? From me just watching college football on Saturdays, Evan Stewart is a matchup winner. He can beat you on the edge with speed. He can beat you one-on-one with his uh, agility and elusiveness. He can win one-on-one when that ball's in the air. More likely than not, it is Evan Stewart's football. For someone else, 50-50, Evan Stewart's like 85-15, 80-20. If you win your matchup in this Tennessee offense under Josh Heupel, you're either scoring a touchdown or having a massive chunk play. Now, you got to have a quarterback to do it. Nico Iomalev, I believe, is that guy to do it for Evan Stewart. But I'm just saying, I think the numbers you can put up in the SEC, and Tennessee's offense, I watched what Jalen Hyatt did from Evan Stewart. Different kind of player, same offense. I would like that a lot if I'm, if I'm Evan Stewart. I think that, to me, would be a tremendous fit for both sides of that. Tennessee getting one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the portal. And then Tennessee uh, and Evan Stewart getting a great fit in terms of what he can do production-wise in Knoxville. So I'll go ahead and call my shot there. A couple of the guys we've got to get to here. Uh, how about A.J. Harris? Remember AJ Harris? He was a top three corner in the class of twenty twenty-three, was formerly at Georgia, has since hit the portal. I think Auburn makes a lot of sense here. Auburn is the school that's had the most smoke around landing AJ Harris. Uh he's also from Alabama. Now, this is I can't prove any of this. This is how I feel though, just having played college football, haven't been to college, and having, you know, seen the the portal a few rounds now. Anytime you get a young guy jumping in the portal, if you're a freshman, That first semester, that first year away from home, man, Like, typically it is pretty appealing to at least play with the idea of going back and being close to family, being close to friends. Not that Georgia is light years away from from Alabama, but I just mean being in Auburn and being closer to that, I would like that fit. Again, what we said about Evan Stewart playing in the SEC, I think matters for a lot of these guys as they want to probably give themselves the best chance to play at the next level. There's also probably going to be a fair amount of opportunity on that Auburn, on the Auburn defense uh, for A.J. Harris. One more guy I want to get to here. USC corner Demonte Jackson was a top five recruit in the class of 2022. He has since hit the portal. Sounds like it's down to Michigan and Bama. I think you can tell Nick Saban no one time if you were in the secondary. And it sounds like he did that out of high school to Demonte Jackson. I don't know if you do that twice. <laughs> so I think Alabama... With that secondary being Nick Saban's baby, if I'm in the portal and I want to go play in the NFL after I finish up playing in college, like there's, there's really one spot. Not there's, not there's only one spot, but there's really one spot where you're going to get tutelage from the GOAT, compete for national titles, the structure in place to propel you to the NFL. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I think is the spot if you're Damonte Jackson. So I'll go ahead and call my shot for him to end up transferring to Alabama. So that's our second volume of the portal predictions. Couple other guys we didn't really mention there. I'll, I'll mention one more: uh, DJ Uyunglele. I think Florida State would make sense by nature of Cam Ward if he goes to Miami. Now, if he if he doesn't go to Miami, he goes to Florida State. You know, we'll revisit that when it gets here. But those are our, our portal predictions for Volume Two. Again, we're calling our shot here. This isn't me reporting on anything. This isn't me telling you where this guy is going. I am purely speculating, and I think those are the, where those cats would end up. And uh, curious to hear from y'all. So get at me in the comment section. Get at me in the live chat. Let me know where y'all think these guys are going to end up at. And knowing our luck, man, I mean, we'll probably have somebody come in here before the end of the show. So, roll party roll. Kind of the way it goes. Uh, Like I mentioned here at the top of this thing, super critical, especially this time of the year, to get at me on the socials, at JDPiquel. Twitter, same handle. Instagram, same handle. At JDPiquel. Because what we do here. Not just do we want to interact with y'all and hear from y'all and get feedback on the show and try to incorporate more of what you want to have on this show. But there are times where, just like this segment, we will go to my Twitter page and put a post there and say, hit us with your college football questions. We'll answer some on the show. That's what we're doing right now. So we got uh, our first question from a friend of the program, QB Spotlight. He asked a great question. He says, is it too early? To talk about the best quarterback rooms overall in 2024, the answer is yes, but of course we're going to do it anyway. The reason why it's still too early and we're kind of approaching this with uh, a little bit of hesitancy is because there hasn't been all the dust settle yet on the transfer portal and where some of these guys are going to end up. Still some big names out there, but from what we can gauge best right now, got a few schools I'm watching here for the best quarterback rooms in the country. Texas feels like the most obvious answer. Now, this is, of course, contingent upon Quinn Ewers doing what it sounds like he's going to do, which is return to Texas for another season. If he does come back to Texas, think about what you have in that room, dude, in the two deep. Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. I'm not a huge math guy, but from where I'm standing, that's 10 stars, including a quarterback who's been to the college football playoff in Quinn Ewers. We'll see what he does going forward in terms of can they even beat Alabama or Michigan in the national title if they end up beating Washington. And also, he's already been on the road and beat Alabama. So like there's some skins on the wall, ton of talent in that room. You love the fact that Arch Manning more than likely will get to sit another year before he gets the reins from Texas' second year in the SEC. For my money, without a doubt, Texas. If Quinn Ewers comes back next year, one of the best, if not the best quarterback room in the entire country. Now, Oregon, I think kind of has a similar setup to Texas. And they did it a little bit differently as opposed to going on the recruiting trail and landing a guy like Arch Manning. They did, in fact, portal a guy like Quinn Ewers to Texas. But Oregon, man, they went to the portal, took a look at the rankings, probably here at ON3, and said, who's the best quarterback we can get? And they did just that. Went after not one, but two of the top three quarterbacks in our transfer portal rankings for us here at ON3. It's Dylan Gabriel and it's Dante Moore. Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Dante Moore, obviously, from UCLA. And Dante Moore, credit to him, man. Five star cap from this previous cycle saying, you know what, I think I need a I think I need a year to sit. I think I need a year to kind of learn the game a little bit, get comfortable where I'm at, figure out how to do this thing to the best of my ability. Nobody better than to sit behind Dylan Gabriel, who's going to his sixth year of college football. So the best way to sum this up for me, we talk about Oregon's quarterback room. You are set for the present in Dylan Gabriel. You're set for the future in Dante Moore. With Oregon pivoting in to the big ten, the the impact and the emphasis of what you need at the quarterback position I think only heightens as the level of competition heightens I love that Oregon has two of the best in the transfer portal now joining their roster and I think Dante Moore will be better for it having sitting behind a guy like Dylan Gabriel uh one more guy I want to talk about here one more school I want to talk about here Alabama man Alabama potentially not potentially. I mean I guess we're assuming I'm I'm assuming this because Jalen Miller already said he's coming back So unless something wildly unforeseen happens here and Jalen Milrow changes his mind, if they win the national title and go to the NFL, they will have Jalen Milrow as their starting quarterback who will be in a lot of conversations around competing for the Heisman Trophy next year. He'll probably be on a lot of those cover magazines for your different outlets, wherever your preview magazine's at. You'll have a quarterback in Dylan Laundergan who a lot of people were were calling for during the spring and saying, hey, give him a chance, man. Let the young bucks spin a little bit. He lit it up in the spring game. Highly recruited as most quarterbacks that go to Alabama are. And then Julian Sayan, who was the number one quarterback in the 2024 class. It's a pretty stacked roster if you ask me. That's a pretty deep depth chart. So between Jalen Milrow, Julian Sayan, Dylan Lonergan, you may legitimately be three deep at quarterback. Now obviously a lot of that's contingent upon Dylan Lonergan progressing and Julian Sayan hitting the ground running. I don't expect all three of those guys to play next year, to be clear. It's just still Jalen Milrow's show, but just the fact that you have that kind of talent in that quarterback room, hark me to sit here today in late December of 2023 and tell you Alabama won't have one of the best quarterback rooms in 2024. So get at me too on, on social media and in this uh, live chat. Who do y'all think has the best quarterback room for 2024? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, we got a great question here. My guy, Trash Can Hokies. First of all, I mean, like, elite, elite user handle. I don't even know what that means, but it's hilarious. Uh, With the rise of the transfer portal, is the era of college football legends at smaller schools over? Now, he cites guys like Tavon Austin from West Virginia. He cites guys like Justin Blackman at Oklahoma State. First of all, man, like the Tavon Austin highlights, whenever you finish up watching this show, go check those out. It's the one with millions of views. You just had to be there for that era, man. The, like, uh... That's the one you want to watch, and that's the one that'll take you back real quick to uh, imagining you were Tavon Austin if you played youth football around the time where he was balling. Uh, the answer to this question is uh, a few facets to it. I think that this will not become extinct; it might become a little bit more scarce. All right, so maybe you put it on the uh, the watch list for extinction. But I don't think this is over by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the question, just to reframe it here. He's asking, will the top guys just end up transferring out to Blue Bloods? Like, okay, I have a big year out of West Virginia. Do I get a call from, uh, you know, in Alabama or in Ohio State or Michigan and end up wanting to transfer out to there? That's the question we're asking here. And again, I don't think that it is going to be extinct. I think it'll just be less common for a couple of reasons. The first is I think people still commit to people and situations and so at a high school, if you have a good relationship with a head coach and you commit to that head coach and you have success in that program, I think there's going to be some desire to stay with that person and stay with that staff. Now, if that staff leaves, maybe there's a different conversation to be had there. But I do think that loyalty is still a very real thing in college football. Now, People are going to say, well, NIL this and that. And then I understand all that. But I do think at the end of the day, like the human element of this, I think will still keep some guys Home. Not all of them, but some of those guys home. Also, speaking of home, like if you're the hometown kid going to the hometown school, your decision was to stay home to begin with. Does having a good year really change your desire to stay home? I don't know, but I think it's worth talking about. And I think it's something that uh, at the very least, maybe not everybody, but I think there will be a percentage of guys that decide to stick with their commitment and decide to stick with their school. Now, here's where it gets a little bit more uh, black and white for me. As, as much as the transfer portal is growing and, and impacting college football with some guys at lower levels going to you know, a higher level of football, maybe going to the Blue Bloods, I think that NIL is still going to impact this thing as well. Like I think back to when Robert Griffin III was at Baylor and just pretty much doing whatever he wanted on the football field, winning the Heisman Trophy. You don't think that if he were to have that kind of season in today's college football – there wouldn't be some schools beating down his door to try and tamper and get him to transfer to their school. I promise you, there would be. There would be. But you talk about the NIL opportunities that a school like Baylor has or doesn't have. Whatever they have in-house, they're giving it to Robert Griffin III to keep him in Waco. And so to put a finer point on this, like NIL, I think as much as people are going to use it to take kids away from schools, I think some schools are going to get all their money, their piggy bank, take all their resources, and put it towards their top guys to keep them at their school we've already seen it with some of these guys behind closed doors uh, I have to believe that's going to only further impact keeping some guys at their schools as well as we move further and further into the NIL and the portal era now this is the last point and this is a point that uh, our very own Trey Yannity made so I want to make sure we give credit to our guy Trey Anity, one of the producers here for us at all three um, we were talking about this same question before the show and I posed it to him he thought about it for a second he said you know what I think it's actually the exact opposite. Think about all the talent that is buried on a roster like a Georgia, like an Ohio State, like an Alabama, like the five-star cat that out of high school committed there, and he's used to playing a lot. He's used to being, you know, uh, the guy at the school. He's maybe in the two deep. Maybe he's a third-string guy. Like, he kind of sees the writing on the wall. Maybe he transfers back to the hometown school that's not a blue blood, but still, you know, a decent level of football. He wants to get on the field. So to to put it simply, the transfer portal works both ways. As much as some guys are going to transfer out after having a great season at a lower level school or a smaller school, not a blue blood, there's going to be a lot of cats that go somewhere big out of high school and realize like, hey, I'm I'm a a big fish, but I'm in a big pond and it's going to be hard to get on the field here and transfer back to their other school or transfer back rather closer to home at the smaller school and have a career there. So all that's to say, I think the legends of college football at schools like a West Virginia, like Oklahoma State, like a Baylor, there's no reason why we're naming just Big 12 schools there. It's kind of the way that this whole segment worked out. I think that that era is still very much so intact. I think we'll still see a lot of that. But a great question from our guy at Trash Can Hokies. Appreciate you adding to the conversation. Now, our guy Aiden reached out to us. Aiden asks, thoughts on Mike Denbrock back to Notre Dame over the Christmas break? I put break in quotations. Uh, Mike Denbrock was previously the offensive coordinator at LSU, and they did phenomenal things this season. We'll talk about all that. He decides to transfer. (laughs) I'm so used to saying transfer. He decides to take a job to head back to Notre Dame. And to me, this says less about LSU and more about Notre Dame. It's his third time in South Bend. Um, I think he just likes Notre Dame. He's obviously got history there. I don't think it's anything that he didn't like about LSU. But you look at the obvious parts of this to like if you're a Notre Dame fan. Scored 44 points a game this season at LSU, the top offense in the country. Took Jaden Daniels from being a really good athlete who wasn't really feeling uh, the, uh, I don't know if confidence is the word, I don't know if ability is the right word. He wasn't pushing the ball downfield at LSU in his first season on campus, all right? He really wanted to take care of the football. Fast forward the tape a year with the full year under Mike Denbrock, and Jaden Daniels is a Heisman Trophy winner. And for my money, it wasn't really even that close when you talk about the best player in the country, whether he won the Heisman or not. So, that's the obvious part. The offense and the skins on the wall that Mike Denbrock has, man, It's, I mean, it speaks for itself. The resume speaks for itself. The thing that's, that I think is more encouraging if you're a Notre Dame fan is Marcus Freeman and his motto of challenge everything, not just a t-shirt. It's not just a fun saying you get to put up on the wall and and yell when you break it down during winter conditioning. Like, Challenge Everything has been now walked out multiple times by Marcus Freeman by nature of how he's built this football team. Talk about needing a quarterback last season. Who do we go out and get? Best player available in Sam Hartman. Bring him in. He's your quarterback. Challenge Everything. Need a quarterback again. Well, we got some young guys on the roster, some young guys on the depth chart. Do we want to give them a chance, coach? Nope. Challenge everything. Push the envelope forward. Go out and get one of the top quarterbacks available yet again in Riley Leonard from Duke. Challenge everything. Then they say we need an offensive coordinator. Goes out and gets Mike Denbrock, who was running the top offense in the country last season. Like I just said, allowed Jaden Daniels to become the Heisman Trophy winner after a full year under his tutelage. Challenge everything. From a Notre Dame fan, I'm encouraged I have a coach that is not just settling for 9-3, and three, not just happy to win 10 games and, and you know, chalk it up to make it a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, he understands that the college football playoff is expanding. He understands that Notre Dame is going to be in that conversation I would imagine nearly every single year. He is building his football team and challenging everything that they do internally to provide the best product on the field. There is no settling. There is no let's see how this work out. It is how big can we swing and then connecting. I'm not saying he does it all the time, but I am saying from what we've seen them swing big and connect on, I would be really fired up. from a fan in South Bend today. So Mike Denbrock, Notre Dame, again, I don't think it's a lot about LSU, but I think it is a pretty good indicator of how Marcus Freeman is approaching his responsibility as the head coach, as the CEO of Notre Dame football. So that, that was a lot of fun to get to y'all's questions there, man. Make sure you get at us here again on Twitter at JDPiquel. We're probably going to start doing a little bit more of that, y'all. Just as we move more and more into the abyss that is the college football. I'll say in quotes off season because the game don't really take a break. The games do take a break, but the game doesn't. If you catch my drift there. So that's kind of our, our, our thoughts there when it comes to uh, everything regarding uh, those questions. But again, we'll, we'll probably post that semi-frequently. Really important you're following there at JD uh if y'all want it on instagram we can do it on instagram too and post a question sticker there but the bottom line is be dialed in there because that's the best place for us to interact and for us to hear from y'all so appreciate y'all in advance for that all right we got the peach bowl to talk about here a little bit peach bowl with some vital thoughts and then uh, i want to hear from y'all via the uh the live chat as well uh really quickly though if everyone could just like the video y'all that have been around for a minute you know how we do things on here pretty much we have a standard as all good programs have a standard our standard is 100 likes before we get off the air if everyone liked the video right now we'd be well past that little thumbs up button under the picture quick ask again if we could just uphold that standard we'd appreciate y'all and we'll uh, we'll keep this party rolling all right so let's get to this now man the peach bowl Saturday, December 30th, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, rather. 12 Eastern, ESPN, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Atlanta will be an absolute scene. You got Ole Miss, you got Penn State. Penn State favored by four and a half points. Ole Miss, man, this is their chance to finish a 10-win season and add another one onto that to so have an 11 win season. This would be the first New Year's Six Bowl win for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and I think it would further legitimize his way of doing things, man. And when I say his way of doing things, I'm not talking about the Twitter trolls because I'm all about that, too. I'm not just talking about you know his dog juice. I'm all about that, too. But the way that he's built this roster the last couple of years, going to the portal, taking the best available, up in the talent level, and winning with it. You win a New Year's Six Bowl against a team like Penn State, who's one of the top brands in the country. I think that would mean something. I think that would be, again, just some further legitimization, if that's a word that even exists, for Lane Kiffin and his operating status at Ole Miss. I love the fact that they gave him a new contract and just kept him in Oxford, because I think this does work. I think Ole Miss overall, regardless of this game, the way he does things does work. I think Lane Kiffin in in Oxford does work. And uh, this is a chance now to put some proof in the pudding keep a good thing going so that's a lot on the table there for Ole Miss for Penn State man we talk about the way that they were viewed in the preseason how much juice was there for them this was the year they were going to take down Ohio State this was the year they were going to take down Michigan unfortunately neither of those came to fruition but if you beat one of the top teams in the SEC from this past year I think that kind of revitalizes what a lot of people thought and expected of them and to be very clear now Penn State their window is not closed like, this wasn't the one year where Penn State had to get it done. A lot of the cats that were on this team are coming back. Now, obviously, you lose some key pieces in Chop Robinson and Olu Fashade, but even so, man, like Drew Aller coming back. Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter. The nucleus, As Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings, would we'll refer to here on three. Uh, the nucleus of this core talent at Penn State is young, and they're coming back next year. So a chance to springboard in 2024 the right way, if you're an Indian Lion fan. Listen, man. In a game like this, in every college football game, but in a game like this, especially if it's Penn State playing, like, it starts in the trenches. Offensively your Penn State, it starts in the trenches. And a big part of that, not just feeding your best player in Nick Singleton and your other best player in Catron Allen, but taking some pressure off my guy Drew Aller, man. Drew Aller, I think, is going to be really good in Happy Valley for a long time. I think next season will be an improvement from this past season. But we've seen, we saw in person, in Columbus, Ohio, when you put the game on number 15, there is a tendency for him to struggle a little bit. Ole Miss, they're good, not great against the run. Allowing four yards a carry, that's not phenomenal. If you're a Penn State fan, you're probably licking your chops just a little bit there. Big Hunter Norzad, uh, Cornell alum, by the way, Hunter Norzad, shout out to Hunter. Uh, They're going to try and make a, a teach tape out of this game against Ole Miss. And so for Ole Miss, I think the way they operate with Pete Golding, they're going to stay who they are and be aggressive. So if you're watching at home, I think it'll be a lot of blue jerseys, if they're wearing blue, a lot of blue helmets running up from that second level to try and add in and be aggressive against that run game. I think it'll be adding numbers to stop the run. I don't think it'll be our guys versus your guys. We're going to try and just have the shoving match up front. No, I think it's going to be linebackers adding in. Might see some safeties adding in. I think that's who Ole Miss wants to be and who they're going to be in this game to try and stop the run. But when that happens, got to make sure you're solid in coverage on the back end. Because if you win one-on-one and you help Drew Aller out and get open, I think he's more than more than capable of delivering that football to you. So that's where the big plays happen. And that's what Ole Miss obviously cannot have happen. To the other side of that coin though, whenever you dial up pressure, because I expect them to dial up pressure in the run game, but also in the pass game. They get home and kind of rattle Drew Aller a little bit. As we say on this show, you kind of open Pandora's box. And when you rattle a quarterback and throw them off kilter a little bit, and they're kind of trying, playing, trying to play catch-up, not just from digesting the defense, but trying to play catch-up from a getting-centered-again emotionally or, or psychologically standpoint, things have a tendency to roll your way if you're Ole Miss in that situation. So the other thing I want to watch here now, can Ole Miss win consistently outside? When I say outside, clearly I'm talking about the wide receiver position. Uh, they need to be disciplined, does Penn State, with their eyes. So if you've watched Ole Miss this year, more likely than not, you've had a situation where there'll be a, a sweep motion across the formation with the wide receiver, and then you'll have Quinshawn Judkins running back the other Is typically how they've done it this year. What I'm trying to say here is, they give you a lot of window dressing to where when you're watching them, you might see, or might not see rather, where the ball is going. It might be a thing where you're watching Jackson Dart one way, and then Dayton Wade's going the other way, or Trey Harris going the other way, or Quinchon Judson's going the other way. It's hard to keep track of the football. If it's hard for us watching the broadcast to keep track of the football, think about how much more difficult it is to keep track of the football if you're a Penn State defender. And so when that happens... You need to be able to take advantage of Penn State being out of position if they're out of position if you're Jackson Dart. But perhaps more importantly, it's going to be about playing the game in space. Okay, So I talked about winning at the wide receiver position on the outside in the pass game. It might be more important to win on the outside when they're running the football. I mean, having to block that second level and third level of that Penn State defense and allow for a little bit of extra gap for your guy to get north and south who's carrying the ball if you're Ole Miss comes down to discipline with the eyes if you're Penn State. comes down to tackling in space. You can do both those things. You keep yourself in it, and you give yourself a chance to let your offense kind of wear down that Ole Miss defense and run the football and kind of just play at least with a a close game, if not a lead, if you're Penn State. But if you have those big plays happen, if you get undisciplined, you lose track of the football, and they start to spin a little bit, does Ole Miss, at that point – I don't love what they have offensively to try and match scores or maybe even keep pace and catch an Ole Miss team if they get down by 10 points or so. That, to me, would worry me if I'm a Penn State fan. Drew Aller, again, I think he's good enough to win this game for you, but the key there is you have to equip him with the things around him, with the run game, with the protection, to give him all he needs to make it just about Drew Aller. Because if it's just about Drew Aller in this game, I think he's good enough, again, to throw the football downfield. But you have to win outside. If you're a wide receiver for Penn State, you have to run the football to take the pressure off of him. You have to protect him, to give him time to deliver the football. Like That's all the things that go into my thought process when it comes to assessing number 15 for Penn State. Now, Jackson Dart, man, that cat's a different animal. <laughs> he is going to be a different animal than anything that Penn State has seen defensively this year. Now, Penn State has one of the best defenses in the country, even with their opt-outs. But the way that Jackson Dart runs the football, he's got seven rushing touchdowns on the season, he don't care, man, when he gets downhill. Some quarterbacks, you see them you know, slide or, or dive forward, like Jackson Dart, he's content to run behind his pads and lay the lumber on you. That's how number two gets down. I expect no different in this game. How Penn State handles that schematically is the first part of that. And how they're able to meet him over and over again in the hole on top of what Penn State, or excuse me, what Ole Miss does running the football. Like, I think that could be a little bit of a, a physicality matchup. And it's very rare we talk about a quarterback being a part of the game physically, but uh, I think Jackson Dart is just that. He'll have to protect himself as well, but I'm just saying, Jackson Dart, this will be a different tempo than Penn State has ever seen when it comes to what he does running the football. At the end of the day, when it comes to our pick in this game, like there, there's just too many question marks for me around Penn State. Like Drew Aller, I talked about how good he is. I've seen him struggle in some big spots. Uh, the Ohio State game we saw in person. The Michigan game they also struggled. What's going on with the offense schematically as they've since fired Mike Yursich. Uh, transitions at the defensive coordinator spot like Chop Robinson opting out. There, there's so many pieces here where I'm just like, I wonder how that'll work out. And the more that I wonder about Penn State, the more that I feel confident in what Ole Miss does offensively and the way they're going to attack Penn State defensively. I think just the style of game this is going to be with Ole Miss scoring points and then applying pressure to Drew Aller, I think that's how they end up getting the better of them in this football game. I think Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin as well, they are going to, I mean, just empty the clip. If you got a trick play, you're not saving it for game one of next year. You're not saving it for, for the Egg Bowl next year. You're, you're using it right now. You're dialing up the double pass. You're dialing up the halfback pass. You're dialing up the flea flicker. Like, whatever you got in the chamber, and Lane Kiffin, I promise you, he's he's got a few rounds in the chamber. You're letting it go. You're letting it fly, all right? So I like Ole Miss to win this game. I do think it's high entertainment value. I think it's a, a game worth watching, if that's one of the things you're curious about for this matchup. Ole Miss 31, Penn State 25. So we think Ole Miss not just covers the four and a half. We think they, they win the game outright. So we'll take Ole Miss. And again, this is more juice for Lane Kiffin. No pun intended. Shout out to his dog. More juice for what he's doing on the recruiting trail. More juice to what he's doing in the transfer portal. And uh, I just I, I think it further cements uh, the proof that Lane Kiffin is a great fit at Ole Miss. And I understand his name's going to come up in a lot of other jobs going forward, but I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And I don't see a reason why you would leave when you have everything you need to be successful. And this would be a proof of concept for success for his time so far in Oxford. So enjoy that one, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. A little, uh, it's, it's not New Year's Eve because I know that they don't play Sunday, but like it's as, it's as close to New Year's Eve as we're going to get. So enjoy that one. And it uh, should be a good one in Atlanta, man. I think Ole Miss fans will, will travel very well for that game in Atlanta. All right. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you get your questions in the live chat. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Refresh right here to see where we're at, and uh, get engaged for that. All right, yeah, let's get a few more likes in there. That that thumbs up button under the picture. We would appreciate y'all again, just kind of upholding the standard that we have all agreed to here. We'd appreciate y'all. And we'll keep on rolling. All right, here we go now. Our final thoughts for the college football playoff kind of our final takes if you will our predictions within the game we've already given you our our picks for the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl but I want to give you our take for each of these four teams that are left in the dance before they actually play the games themselves let's start with the Sugar Bowl I'll start with Texas I kind of have two takes on Texas to be real with y'all they already in my mind have had a playoff game this season now, it didn't end up being a playoff game by nature of Alabama also making the playoff, but we went into that game week two in Tuscaloosa, the thought was, hey, regardless of who wins, there will be massive playoff implications. And so the reason why I think that's important, they got a rep at a playoff game. They got it on the road. This will be a neutral site when they play New Orleans. And I'll tell you what, Texas fans, uh, they will travel to NOLA. Let's just make that very clear. So this would be the second time they get a rep at a playoff game, counting Alabama as that first playoff game. The second time you do anything, doesn't matter what it is, playing darts, throwing horseshoes, taking algebra, shout out to y'all, whatever you're doing, the second time, you're more than likely going to be better at it. Why? Less of a learning curve. The external factors that go into something like a, like a college football playoff game will be dialed back a little bit because you've already had that massive spot. You've already had all the emotion, the hoopla, the outside looking in, into your game. And you had it on the road in the SEC. Like, I think that means something. And I think that's going to give Texas uh, tremendous composure from start to finish in this game. And then also, Steve Sarkeesian, he doesn't just have the playoff experience from this season, that game against Alabama, which again, we're tabbing as a college football playoff esque kind of game. He's got college football playoff experience from his time under Nick Saban. Like, you, you work under the goat for a little bit, I promise you. You learn a thing or two, and I think that's going to benefit him, both the experience under Saban and the experience in the college football playoff in a spot like this. You're not going to see a whole lot of shaky hands from, from Steve Sarkeesian. For everyone uh, that's listening on podcast, I'm, I'm kind of doing the the flimsy hand for you in front of the camera right now. Like you, you could put a glass of water on Steve Sarkeesian's hand on fourth down and one in the fourth quarter. It will be balanced. That's how I feel about him. That's how I feel about Texas in this game, the composure they have. Will be massive by nature of what they've had to do to get to this spot and by nature of what Steve Sarkisian has done throughout his career to now be the head coach of Texas. <coughs> quick, quick, uh, quick cough break there. Not a coffee break, but a cough break. So shouts to y'all on podcast for enduring that with us. All right. Other take for Texas in this game. And we said this during our preview, but I kind of want to hammer it home on our, uh, our final take, if you will. If this becomes a 10-point game in the second half for Texas, and they're up by 10 points, that is, I think Texas has the best opportunity to downshift and to pound the rock. Like if, if they get that hold on Washington, or on, yeah, on Washington, and they, they find themselves kind of having leverage, it's gonna be lights out. Because Texas, the way they're built, they can squeeze a little bit now. They can uh They can hum you a little lullaby and put you to sleep by nature of what they have up front on the offensive line, averaging right around 200 yards a game. I would say they're close to three deep in that running back room, meaning they're not going to get tired, they're only going to get stronger as the game wears on, and if they're able to get a lead, like I just said, and sit on it, they're going to be more than capable and happy to do that. Washington, they could do that with Dylan Johnson, but I I think Texas is better prepared to play a game like that in the fourth quarter or third quarter should they find themselves in that predicament. So that's kind of our final take on Texas as we move into the college football playoff for this upcoming Monday, I guess it is. Now, Washington, the great thing about Washington, man, to me, they are the Alex Honnold of this college football playoff. And for those of y'all that don't get that reference, Alex Honnold is a free solo rock climber. What does that mean? It means that he climbs mountains but he doesn't do it with any cables. He doesn't do it with any nets. Like He he just shows up there with a pair of shoes and some chalk and just says, let's get after it. Let's, Let's scale this thing. Now, why is that Washington? Alex Honnold has had studies on his brain to where when he is climbing up mountains and he is thousands of feet above the earth with nothing but his pinky finger holding him into that rock, his brain doesn't process pressure correctly. Like the part of his brain that's supposed to distribute the, the I guess, chemical that would cause you to feel fear, that doesn't work correctly for him. Same thing for Washington, man. They are 7-0 and in one-score football games. 7-0. and So when Washington's up on that mountain, looking down at defeat against a team like an Oregon, like an Oregon State, like a Washington State, like an Arizona State, no flinch. They're cool. Talk to Michael Penix Jr., Kalen DeBoer after the game, and you watch them in those post-game interviews like doesn't matter that they, they just look so cool so calm so collected their amygdala which is the part of the brain that produces fear so a little bit of learning here for us on the hard count today uh that, that's how they operate so same thing in this game if washington does find themselves down by 10 points if they do find themselves with the ball and down three and have one drive left to go like i think that actually favors washington that's in that predicament they do not feel pressure. They do not flinch. They have it all season long. They won't do it in the college football playoff. So best of luck to Texas, because that's going to be uh, going to be a bear to try and put them away, if you're the Longhorns. Now, our takes for the Rose Bowl here are as follows. Let's get into them right now. Um, Alabama. I was thinking about what to say with Alabama, because I try to think about this segment and sort of put together like the major bullet points, the big things that would contribute to how we feel about these teams in this game. And for me with Alabama, like it's just a lot of the little things for how they've trended this year. That's the major thing, I guess, if you want to put it together. The way Alabama has trended this year, <clears throat> I'll restart that so we can clip this later. <clears throat> the way Alabama has trended this year is what makes them most dangerous when it comes to this college football playoff race. Because think about it. They lost to Texas, looked ugly against USF on the road. Not sure how that became a road game, but it is what it is. Hottest team in the country right now. Reeled off 10 in a row since then. Jalen Milrow had issues early on. Kind of had this label on him before even going into the season. It only got amplified from the Texas game. He's got turnover problems. One interception in the month of November. Doesn't have turnover problems anymore. Everyone's saying, what's up with the offense? Hey, what's up with Tommy Reese? They're they're not playing to his strengths. It looks just anemic out there. Clearly, they found their identity. Uh, They scored the most points on Georgia of anybody in the country this season. Auburn game was ugly, and I understand that. Maybe you talk about that as a negative thing for Alabama, but to be honest with you, if I'm an Alabama fan, you found a way to beat Auburn in a crazy environment Jordan-Hare, in a crazy rivalry. We knew things would get weird. You have close game experience right now that I think is invaluable to what you can do now in this college football playoff run. You find yourself in that same situation against Michigan. You hope you don't if you're an Alabama fan, but if you do, like your heart rate, I think, should stay a little bit more stable because of that game against Auburn. The last part of this, man, Saban has got a month to prep. So the way they've trended this season leading into this game, and now Saban's had four weeks, give or take, to prepare, like, that's scary. The trend for Alabama, again, is what makes, I think, or should make, rather, the rest of the college football world a little bit nervous when they see Alabama on the other side of this thing. Now, on the other side of this thing, they're going to see Michigan. And I was doing radio with one of our guys yesterday, Hunt Palmer, Shout out Hunt if you're watching. Does a great job doing uh, a radio for them in, in, uh, in Baton Rouge. The ESPN affiliate crushes it. We jump on every single Wednesday. Uh, but he asked me this question. He said, what is the difference between Michigan this year and, and previous years? Because Michigan, like they've been in the college football playoff now several years in a row. This is their third go at it. Why should we expect things different from Michigan for this year and last year? So I thought about that. And the answer I came up with is, this is just a different team when it comes to their experience level. Because the 21 to 22 team, you had a lot of things change. You had different coordinators. You had a different quarterback. You lost, I think, somewhere like, a, I mean, three-fourths of that defense, give or take. You lost some massive pieces. and you went to 2022. The team was really good. You still accomplished a lot of the same things by winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, and that was awesome. You were fired up about that. You got to the college football playoff, had the same result that year to that year 21 and 2022 like it was a different team now this team in 2023 though a lot of those cats that felt that heartbreak against TCU that watched that confetti drop on Max Duggan and company they're back for another round and when you look at how Michigan played in that game a season ago it kind of felt like watching Michigan they got away from who they were like They had the answers to the test. They knew what they wanted to do going into that game, and it worked pretty well in that first play where they popped off a big run. But after that, you were like, man, does it does it look like Michigan. Like One of those where you get the test back, and you're like, man, I, I knew that answer. Why did I not circle that correct answer? Why, 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 did I, why did I lose my cool there? And I don't know if it was a composure thing. I don't know what it was, but I will say this. I don't think we see that for Michigan again in this game. I think they double down on who they are. I think they're physical. I think they run the football. I don't think we see J.J. McCarthy throw two pick sixes. I don't think we see them call screen plays within the 10-yard line. Like, they will double down on who they are when they get back to this spot. And so, what makes them different, again, in my mind, is the experience factor they have from learning from last year, now moving into this game. So, I'm excited to watch this, man. Those are our final takes on all these teams across the college football playoff landscape. You got four now, started with 133, Texas, Washington, Bama, Michigan. It's going to be a movie, man. I cannot wait for it. Again, make sure you're dialed in here because we're going to have immediate reactions. As soon as both these games go final, have a... Okay, so I'll kind of lay this out for you now. I guess we'll, we'll have this clipped by at this point. So it's just you'll be talking now on the live show. Um, what's going to happen is Nick Brake and I will get in here on New Year's Day. We will sit down. We will watch the Texas-Washington Sugar Bowl. It'll be a blast. As soon as that game goes final, we'll walk a good 10 yards over from that room into this room. Record our reaction, our thoughts on Texas and Washington, however that game shakes out. Go back after we finish, publish the video, have it out there for y'all. Go back to watching the game. Watch the next game of, uh, or I guess it'll be opposite order, darn it. It'll be Alabama, Michigan first. Record our thoughts. Walk back into that room. Watch Texas, Washington. Give you our thoughts on that one. Regardless, you get the point. Either game, we'll have a reaction for you as soon as we get triple zeros. And that'll be a good time. So another reason to be subscribed. All right, if we get those likes again as well, I just would ask y'all to like that video. Like the video we have up right now, and we'll uh, we'll keep a good thing going here. All right, getting now to what y'all really came here for. People's producer, man of the program, Nick, heavy lifter. Break, Nick. I entered you too soon.
0: Yeah, you got an ad read. I got an ad read, read for you,
1: brother. How about it, man? Just keeping it, keeping it, uh, keeping it loose this this afternoon. Keeping it loose this morning, huh? Keep on rolling here. So get those questions in, a Nick. Break. Hey, the show is called the Hard Count. The hard count was meant to draw people off sides. So that's all me. I jumped off sides. I will pay for that on practice uh, on, I guess, this will come be Monday. It is what it is. But with that being said, get those questions in. Make sure you like the video. We'll keep a good thing going. All right. So the hard count is brought to you today by our good friends over at Game Time. It's college football playoff season now. Regular season is behind us. And you got a chance to go see your team make the college football national championship. Got a chance to go see them punch their ticket. Don't you want to punch your ticket to go watch them play in that game in the semifinals? Texas, Washington, Alabama, Michigan, two games that I think are going to be absolute movies. Don't you want to make sure you see those things in person? Game time, the best way to help you do that. They have selection across the board here for the best tickets at the lowest prices guaranteed. That's the game time guarantee. If you find a ticket in the same section and row for less on a different platform than what you paid for with Game Time, Game Time credits you 110% of the difference, man. So, in that sense, like you have the most security knowing you are getting the best deal. Also, you have the security knowing you have the best seat. What I mean by that is, Game Time, they provide a view from the seat that you purchase before you even purchase it. So, you can know if I buy my ticket in row 36 of the Rose Bowl. I know I'm not sitting somewhere behind that Jumbotron to where I only see 25% of the field, therefore I get 25% of the game, therefore I got ripped off 75% of my ticket. You catch my drift here. Game time is the best way to get that done. Also, college football season, as we sprint through the finish here, they also have a selection for other events that you might want to go to, right? Like a concert, Taylor Swift, if she's in town. I know that's a big deal with the football world right now, so if you want to go out and, and see a Taylor Swift concert. I promise you they got tickets there, uh, a comedy show, whatever you want to see. They got you covered there and uh game time. We'll make sure that happens. So how do you make this happen? I'm glad you asked. Download the game time app, create an account. When you create an account, this is the most important part. Redeem code hard count. Okay. That's H A R D C O U N T for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code hard count for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right. So, Nick, I jumped off sides there again. That's uh something you got to pay for when it comes to practice on Monday. It is what it is, but a little bit of laundry on the field there as we get started here on our uh, final thoughts, final takes Thursday. Hey, first of all, man, how are you doing? How are you doing these days?
0: Pretty good, man. Uh, <coughs> I don't want to take too much time, though, because we got a couple questions. We're running late today. So,. What do you say we jump in?
1: I love it. Hey, at the end of these questions, though, you got to give your playoff picks, brother. Yeah, I do. It's coming. That's true. It's coming.
0: I've done zero research, nor have I watched really any game, but That's I'm okay. going to do it. And um, some,
1: some might say that positions you even better.
0: Yeah, you know? you're right. It's like the person on March Madness who picks based off of the uniforms. That's going to be me this year, J.D.
1: I love it, man. That was me the past March Madness, so a little bit of, a little bit of you know, filling both those cups. Absolutely. Love it, man. What, what we got from the people today? Uh, here we go, Horn, says, J.D.,
0: if you were a high school senior right now and all four of the college football teams were recruiting you, who would you pick? Oh, man.
1: Gosh. We're going to just upset somebody here by doing this. Huh? We'll upset three somebody's actually. I, I will say I think it probably matters what position you're playing, and that's not me sitting on the fence. I'm just saying for my development, if I'm a quarterback, I'm probably going to Texas. Um, you know, I think when you look at the upward trend of some of these teams – Texas is going up, Alabama's going up, Michigan, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh will be there long term, and that's not me speaking authoritatively, that's me speaking as a high school senior saying, hey, I want to go play somewhere, and I want to commit to a coach that's going to be there for all four years, so I probably would eliminate, I probably would eliminate Michigan for that reason, Washington, I think it's phenomenal, they're moving to the Big Ten, that would would make a a lot of sense, Uh, I wouldn't want to play in the rain, to be honest with you, call me soft if you want, but I just, I, i I went to college somewhere with bad weather. I wouldn't want to do it for a second time if I'm going to if I'm going to Washington. Um, you know, I'm going to go to Alabama. And the reason for that being, they would provide the best structure, regardless of position, to get me to the NFL. Texas is a close second, but I'll go ahead and say Alabama, man. You got the goat. You're probably in good hands.
0: Okay, sounds good. Um, next, well, actually, so O.G. Gary, a couple shows ago, we were like, O.G. Gary, why do you support LSU in Utah? Uh, the answer to that is that uh, Og Gary lives in Utah and went to Utah, and then currently going to LSU for their MBA. So that's a pretty good excuse for hey each. man. So well done. Congrats um, to
1: him for getting after the uh, yeah the MBA side of things. Yeah, my
0: dad's like that a lot with his. T- he went to so many colleges that he roots for all of them, and it works out. Uh, next question coming from Rohan JD. Why did Ohio State go down in the recruiting from three to five? Uh, I know that's not really our thing. Sure, uh, but w- would you have any guesses?
1: Yeah, I would, I would have to look at the actual numbers to give you a search gauge. I want to see where they're at right now before I speak authoritatively. Well, was so, the
0: McClellan guy the one who flipped?
1: Yeah, so Jeremiah McClellan That's flipped helped. right before that. That was a loss, obviously. Um, I would. I mean, honestly, e- even with them getting passed by schools like Oregon and, and, and Texas, getting up there to uh, to that three spot, like. I don't think it was a thing where like Ohio State somehow lost that day on signing day Ohio State I think even with that one flip um, had a great day you kept Jeremiah Smith you, you kept Edric Houston so if I'm Ohio State like let's not look to the side and the other side too much to say okay well we didn't finish as high as this or as high as that like they signed for the most part who they wanted to sign so um, why they were at five instead of three quite frankly the best way to say it is they just sort of got passed not because they got dropped because they lost a bunch of players or something Um so that'd be my answer to that, Nick. Hey, Nick, I hate to say it, man. We are close. We are in jeopardy. I'm not hitting 100 likes. We're in call? jeopardy, we brother. Yeah, we're in it's, jeopardy. It's so
0: in, we, look, the last time we haven't hit 100 likes, we were talking to uh, it's the SEC commissioner Greg Sankey. Sankey, Greg so that Sankey. Was, uh, way, way back. What was that? July. Yeah, that was I back. So. In, that was back in the day, man. It was we're, a few weeks before I went to see Barbenheimer. Remote so it was July. Um, So it's been a while.
1: I love it. So, hey, let's, let's, if we can get there, we would greatly appreciate that. And that would be, again, kind of upholding the standard we got here. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to waste too much more time talking about that. But we'd appreciate y'all just keeping us uh, over that 100 like mark. So thank you to y'all in advance. I got confidence in the program. I got confidence. But I just wanted to give uh, give a quick plug there. What else we got, Big Nick? uh,
0: This isn't a question. This was a comment that went on right before the the questionnaire. And I I want you to address it because, or I want you to address it, I should say. Steve McDaddy said these people wanting participation trophies instead of the four best teams. Georgia should be in the playoffs while Washington sits. J.D., can you make sense of that? Because to me, it makes no sense.
1: I see where you're coming from in the sense that I'm guessing our friend believes that Georgia is one of the four best teams. I don't think that's untrue. My question would be, based on merit, and merit does have to have some sort of attendance in this conversation, who are you taking out? Taking out Texas, they won the Big 12. Taking out Washington, they were undefeated and they won the Pac-12. And now Florida State fans are going to say, well, what the heck, J.D., we were undefeated and we won the ACC. Another conversation for another time, I hear you. But I think by nature of the strength of schedule those teams played and what they did to win their conference and get in, like I, I have a very difficult time bumping any of those teams the real I think hang up with Georgia not getting in I think you could make an argument it was Texas beating Alabama like you couldn't have a world where you put Alabama in and left Texas out as a one loss Big 12 champ I think that was kind of the real thing that kept Georgia sort of from being blocked out in addition to the Florida State conversation so I've, I've said this multiple times if you put Georgia in this top four I'd still pick them to win the national title like we did earlier in the year um, but just the way that things happen I think the games have to matter and the fact that you won your conference title if you're Texas and Alabama and Washington and, and uh, Michigan it, it is the reason why they are those teams that are in the final four so okay unfair but kind of the way that we're living right now you know
0: yeah and it will unfair all...
1: but it is fair you know hey yeah. we're we're close to the 100 the like mark
0: it will all change as I'll well I'll just say that soon. yeah so uh Matthew, a uh, couple more questions. We'll go two more. Is that good? That sounds phenomenal, man.
1: We got two questions and we got eleven. Likes. right around yeah, 11, 10, Ten likes. likes. 10 likes. All right.
0: Um, Matthew, SJD, JD, was the Big Ten overrated this year? JD, if it was this year, it sure won't be next year. It's going to be tough.
1: It will not be overrated next year. That's for sure. Was it overrated this year? I just think it didn't have the depth that a lot of people wanted it to have. Um, because we were expecting a team like Penn State to be in that college football playoff conversation, and it kind of just happened where we had a a repeat of last year where Michigan runs the table, Ohio State loses to Michigan, and Penn State loses to Ohio State and Michigan, and then, you know, throughout the rest of the conference, it's, you know, not irrelevant, but it just wasn't the depth that we've sort of come to expect at times. Um, Bowl season is interesting because this kind of gives us a better litmus test for where some of these teams were throughout the course of the year relative to other conferences. Not that the transitive property is something we should 100% just give complete blind authority to. But, but I do think that Iowa, them playing Tennessee, will be a great matchup and a great gauge for a lot of us to see how Iowa stacks up. I mean, Iowa, if they had a quarterback, where, where are they in, in this college football playoff conversation? they got to be close with how good that defense was. Um, so I, I don't think it was overrated, but to your point... In the Big Ten next year, that will absolutely not be the case with USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, all those guys joining. So that'll be it'll be a party, man, in the Big Ten next year. Um, I see, I see people's argument that it's top heavy, but I still think it's probably the second best conference in America, based on this past season. Maybe uh, maybe third. Top three. Likes. Top three. No, no no argument there.
0: Who's gonna be the one hundredth like JD? Oh
1: man, you're crushing, Nick. You're crushing getting uh, getting the people on board here with that. Who's, I appreciate you.
0: We've got one more question. I love it. Um, so let's we'll see if we hit 100 likes before I jd it. i lost this question but i know what it is but i can't tell you who asked it um but the question in i may have asked it yesterday but it's who do you think is the favorite to win the national championship right now
1: ooh from this class or from I this spent, year, from this like class in, from this field? in the next
0: two weeks who do you think currently sits as the favorite we hit 100 likes
1: hey shout out to y'all for 100 likes big shout out to y'all Elijah Moore was the hey, 100th liker. That's huge. That's huge. So appreciate y'all for that. Sometimes just, we, we talked about it a lot on Sunday mornings here. You got to find a way when it's not your day. For whatever reason, maybe the holiday season is the reason, but there, you know, this is a slow likeage, slow slow like day for us here, but y'all found a way to get us over the top. Big shouts to y'all. Thank you for getting that done. I think it's Michigan. Um, now, I, I think in Vegas, I have to double check where they stand right now in their standings, but... Michigan being the one seed, Michigan being you know their, their third time in a row to the college football playoff. Uh, J.J. McCarthy and the way that he's elevated his game, I think Michigan's probably the favorite right now. Uh, but I, if I had to pick someone to put money on today, I think I'd probably put money on Bama. So that should tell you how we think about that, uh, that Rose Bowl game, man. That'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm excited to watch what happens there uh, in Pasadena. I know our very own Andy Staples will be on the case, so that'll be a good time to, to – Yep. connect with him as he's over there nick i appreciate you brother getting it done i know we're like i said we're stuffed up over here the likes are coming in slow you're you're dealing with me jumping off sides i appreciate all you've done big dog we'll uh we'll do it again on uh on tuesday
0: yep we'll see uh after i guess this is it we'll see after the games jd i'm taking uh, alabama and washington nice alabama no yeah i'll stick with it i'm not gonna second guess myself but i'm taking Alabama. i love it
1: i love it hey great picks yeah. Great picks, Big Nick. That's
0: not what I want. Like, that's the weirdest matchup to me, but I'll well that's what I think is gonna happen.
1: Hey, call your shot. I absolutely love it. Appreciate you, Big Nick, calling your shot mm-hmm. and punching the show and producing the show and getting a set here, man. Tell you what, man, people of the program, Nick Break, program guy through and through. Appreciate y'all being dialed in. Kinda wild. This is our last hard count of the 2023 year. Been a phenomenal year. And it doesn't happen without y'all tuning to the show, supporting the show, subscribing, liking, like we asked y'all at nausea to do on this live show. We apologize, but thank y'all for getting it done. This has been a a really fun year. I truly believe the the best is yet to come for this show and for y'all that are a part of the show. And uh, we're just going to keep on keeping on. It's not the end of the college football season, that's for sure. It's not the end of anything that we're doing here. so. We're going to keep on pressing, we keep on getting after it, and uh, we appreciate y'all doing the same and being a part of this. So, love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Going to keep this party rolling now. We will see y'all in 2024.